Welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is June 23rd, 2018. This is the 51st episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. On today's episode, gaming disorder as a mental health condition in our headline roundup, our main topic is the future of crossplay between consoles. And then we will get to your calls if you are tuning in live on Discord. Joining me as my guest this week, it's Logan Moore from DualShockers.com. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back once again, Peter. Of course. Yeah, it's been almost a year, but always good to catch up with you. I'd like to open things up. Uh, you got to go to E3 2018 this year. Uh, you did last mm-hmm. year as well. That that was you know the first big swell of the big public influx, uh, just chaos, I'm sure. But I, <laughs> I imagine you had uh, some more setups with uh, you know appointments and things here and there. So uh, what was this year like? Uh, as far as the public... Uh, being there this year. It was better having the press hours, uh, at least on Tuesday and Wednesday, was a lot better this year. Mm, yeah. I got caught up in the hallway, I think, Wednesday, though, when they opened the floodgates and let all of the <laughs> normal people in, though, and it was like uh, it was like that scene from The Lion King with the yeah. gazelle or whatever. <laughs> no! So that was kind of scary, and I was like, oh, shoot, I got to get out of here. Uh, so that was... Uh, it, it was better this year because of that. I still don't think they should let the public in just because I don't think it makes sense for this show. Like I can understand the public wanting to come to this, yeah. but man, even with the press hours, it was still two or three hour waits at times to play certain games. And that's just with the select people who get the, the media badges or the exhibitor badges. Oh my goodness. Uh, so I, I can't even imagine uh, what it's like for the public. Uh, but yeah, after having gone last year, we definitely uh, booked more appointments because I think last year we were under the impression like, ah, we'll probably just be able to hop in line and go play some <laughs> things. And that definitely never happened once last year. It's tough so when the worldwide year, gaming media kind of comes along. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So this year we uh, pretty much tried to book ourselves up as much as humanly possible on all three days and uh, saw a lot of stuff. I think we pretty much saw everything major at the show this year, if whether I did or somebody on our team did. Um, but yeah, we it was a uh, good E3 for us at Dual Shockers, and we're still in the midst of putting out a lot of content. So that's awesome. Uh, sure yeah, it's good it to hear that like that kind of perspective of like how the public impact has kind of changed the show or kind of impacted it that way. Uh, as someone who went to PAX East, and like I went to, I was lucky enough to go to E3 back in 2010, just as a, a connection with a friend, and uh, the the kind of PAX feel of the floor now had a very similar vibe to e3 mm-hmm. then i think if people want to get you know the, the hands-on time with game demos i mean yeah they're not going to get the behind closed door stuff so you're you are limited to what's out there on the public floor if that's the case yeah it may be like a dream to go to e3 and but you know work your way up to industry connections and then go to pax to get that kind of fill uh, i think that's that'd be an interesting way of going about it as far as what you got to see what were some of your favorite games that you got to try um, obviously the one I've been raving about on social media and elsewhere is Spider-Man. I finally mm. played that. I am uh, just on a very personal level. I've been very upfront with how <laughs> I am not being looking at that game through a super critical lens just because I am a huge Spider-Man fan and that game is doing what I want to I want it to do as a Spider-Man fan for me. 
Uh, so I am kind of, I haven't geeked out about a game like that in quite a long time. And I am personally just so excited for that. The controls feel great. Uh, it's very much, I mean, the easy comparison is it's very much like the Batman games where, oh, these games make you feel like Batman. Mm-hmm. This game definitely makes you feel like Spider-Man. Uh, you are bouncing off the walls in combat a ton, uh, shooting webs left and right, and then the web swinging feels fantastic easily. Like, I, I've only maybe done 15 or 20 minutes worth of web swinging in that game, but compared to all the other Spider-Man games I've played in my life, it's easily the best system I've ever oh, seen good. anybody make. Uh, so, yeah, I am, like... I am so beyond excited for that game. I even said in my preview, like if everything goes right, it has the potential to be like one of my personal favorite games ever, just because wow. of how much I love that character and everything that I saw. I went it was so we did have the press hours on the first two days. So if you got in line early enough, you could get in that first wave there and kind of run to a demo station right away. And uh, I did that both on Tuesday and Wednesday. I used my press time or whatever to just make a beeline to the Spider-Man wow. booth both times and play that game. So uh, so yeah, I played more of that game than I needed to at the show. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for that. That was the one thing that even if I was looking at it through like a critical lens or whatever, like, oh, what's the best thing you played at E3? I really do think that was also just the best thing I played, period. Like it, it felt so good even outside of my fanboyism about it so right. uh there's a lot of reasons to be excited about that game for sure and there's it's so promising for playstation i mean to come off of god of war and that being possibly you know the front runner as of this point for game of the year and then this is mm-hmm. it's september 7th uh, it's right behind it. it's another ps4 exclusive uh, i'm i'm really excited about that one as well I'm, I'm glad to hear that the web swinging is really kind of coming into its own there was definitely a lot of skepticism from some people, you know, months back when we're seeing some of the initial yeah. gameplay, and it it really seems like they've taken a lot of it to heart. Uh, you know, with Spider Man Two and all that, like it's 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 dated, but people love that web swing, and I think this has a, a good sense of realism to it. Like it, yeah. it has the epic swings, the like the motion uh, to it, and you know, the real physics as opposed to suddenly zoom like you're you know way way up there. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was really the exciting. one thing that really stuck with me was just how realistic it was because I have played all those other games and uh, you're almost zipping around the city too fast yeah, in the old yeah. games. Uh, the web swinging in this is almost, I don't want to say slow because you're obviously getting through the world very quickly, but it is slower than I expected. So when I first picked up the controller and started doing it, I was like, this is kind of weird. But after you spend 30 to 60 seconds with it, you're very quickly like, oh, but this is also a thousand times more realistic than any other Spider-Man game I've ever played. There is, like, you can see, like, actual tension on the webs and stuff like that when you hit the hit the bottom of your swing there and like you can see it's it's just got a really cool feel to it a very like you're saying the physics to it makes sense if spider-man was a real person swinging around a real city this is probably what it would be like uh in real life and so that's really cool yeah uh, i mean just I, think of the size the size of a person to the size of a skyscraper like it's gotta gotta take some time to get up that high for yeah. sure uh what were some of the other games that you were excited about uh, so I did get in that behind closed doors demo for Cyberpunk. Hell yeah, um, that looks ambitious as can be. Um, I was I, I really struggled to even explain what I saw just because there were so many things one right after another uh, in that demo. The one thing I, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody has talked about that game to ad nauseum at this point. Uh, the one big takeaway I came out of it though with is that. That game is not coming out for probably three more years. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, before or after fall 2021. 
Yeah, I uh, I do not see that game coming until, yeah, fall 2021. Yeah, probably. Mm, <laughs> like that's yeah. maybe on the early side. I had an interview with somebody from CD Projekt and I asked them as well because the other thing that really stood out to me about that demo that they showed us was it was just incredibly polished and so polished that I don't think they can do a full game to that level. Like I would mm. be shocked. And they... And they swore that it wasn't like a polished vertical slice that they had made. And they're like, no, this is just the game naturally running. And I was kind of like, I, I don't know if I believe that because I've <laughs> literally never seen a game look this good in my life. Uh, the, the city that they made and the amount of different things that the NPCs were doing in that world, like it was just really crazy. Uh, it was just the, the, the craziest thing to me was just walking around the city and seeing how everything kind of interacted with itself and was kind of on its own like loop or whatever because uh, like even the big ambitious open world games like Grand Theft Auto like those are really impressive but you can kind of see that it's uh, pretty simple how it's put together like oh just we'll have some people walking up and down the streets right. or we'll have the cars driving like every NPC I saw in this game was doing something drastically different from one another and uh, that was I don't know how that they run that <laughs> in, in the full product so uh, but yeah, that game looks incredible. There's a reason everybody was raving about it after E3, and it's because it looks really freaking good. I just have a lot of doubts as to when we will actually see it and if it will actually look as good as that demo looked. So, yeah, I uh, I know they've been talking about like when there are different PowerPoint decks and, and whatnot. Like there was one slide that got clipped, and it was like, oh, we're thinking you know how to do you know this generation and next generation and and all sorts of things <laughs> like that. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can run a, a top end PC, but uh, this is going to be, I think, next generation at least. Yeah. I, I don't, especially if I think we it see could maybe run on a one X. Sure, that would sure. Be about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if you can kind of cram it down to and say, oh, we're, launch PS4s and Xbox Ones can play this. Not sure about that, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely see. I mean, if uh, different you know gaming personalities were saying about The Witcher Three and how it had two or three. E3s of demos and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. This will probably be the same, I bet. Yeah, I mean, and I'm definitely excited for it, but there's a lot of, uh, there's, I, I guess, cautious optimism because everything I saw there was great. It's just, man, video games have not looked like what that video game looked like to me yeah. ever. So yeah. if it turns out like that, uh, then, man, the next generation of what video games are going to become is going to be mind-boggling yeah, they're that, all too yeah. that high quality yeah that's the next leap right it's going to be ai and the yeah all of that i mean but if yeah if any studio can do it it's, it's cd project um and any quick hits of you know other other big ones that you saw um i saw sekiro shadows die twice oh, yeah? very excited for that Good. it's a big departure for what from's doing but it's got a lot of those core elements of what dark souls and bloodborne have done but it's also just evolving on those at the same time and i think it looks uh that looks really cool. I'm super excited for that. I saw Control Remedies new oh, game. Oh yeah. Uh, I have loved all of Remedies games. Uh, I don't know if that's for some reason. I think that's like a niche audience. I guess it's really not. Their games sell pretty well at the end of the day. Mm. Um, but I, I really enjoyed I've, going back to Max Payne. I've, I've really loved everything they've done. But the difference with that game is that they are putting more of a focus on the uh, design of the world and the actual gameplay front okay. of it rather than the putting the narrative first and then kind of creating the gameplay experience around that. So the game actually is uh, one large environment and they said that it is pretty much a Metroidvania game where you will run around the same environment and gain new powers and 
revisit old areas and open up new locations and stuff like that. And there's side missions in the world. But again, it's still got that kind of narrative through line that maybe your Alan Wakes or your Quantum Break had as well. Uh, so it's a really cool evolution upon the games that they've been making the past probably decade or more. They told me that uh, one of their leads on the game told me that, that they've been really disappointed when they make environments like in Quantum Break or something like that that they feel like is a really well-designed level or something and then somebody just runs right up the straight, straight through the middle of the map and just starts <laughs> blowing everybody away or something like that. And they wanted to create an experience this time that kind of showcased their what they think are their talents in level design and stuff like that. And they thought that's why a sort of Metroidvania game would really work well for them. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. I'm, I'm so down for that. Yeah, it's a, that looks really promising. Um, I don't know. There, there's, I saw so many different things. Uh, Rage 2 looks cool. Gunplay, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, I, there's so much. RE2, <laughs> Resident Evil 2? I did see Resident Evil 2, yeah. yeah a lot um, of people talking up that one. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things I saw at the show. I'm actually surprised I forgot to mention it. That looks uh, great. I'm really, really excited for that. I love the original Resident Evil 2. Uh, so seeing that kind of come to the Resident Evil 4 style of play, but also keeping in line with what the original was at the same time. Like I mentioned in my preview for that game, like it's got like the aiming mechanics and stuff from RE4, but you can't really just blast people away like you could in RE4. Like, oh, I popped a headshot off and that zombie's immediately dead. Like the zombies take a lot of hits like they used to in the old games and you really can't just kind of mow everybody down. Uh, it still forces you to use a lot of ammo and then to decide whether or not you want to be conservative with your ammo. So it's a really cool marriage of uh, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 4 that's running on that RE7 engine. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that one. It's out in, what, January? So yeah, January 25th, something like that, because, yeah, Kingdom Hearts yeah. 3 is the, the 29th, and uh, that's yeah. that's got to be another exciting one. But, you know, Capcom, the return of Capcom, I mean, with, you know, just this year with Monster Hunter World, and then, you know, in mm-hmm. October, it's going to be Mega Man 11. Yeah, RE2, DMC5, like after yeah. the uncertainty with Deep Down and the Fanta Ray engine, like this RE engine, it's looks like it's really going to pull its weight. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I played Mega Man 11 as well. I'm not super well versed in that series, so I can't speak to it some the way that others could. Uh, the best thing I can say, though, is that it felt like a Mega Man game. I think they've got the movement and controls down. Uh, I think that's the best praise you can possibly give it. Yeah, I mean, because I know a lot of people were concerned about the whole 2.5D thing and not going back to the classic 8-bit style. But no, it still feels like those old games for sure. Uh, So I think they've got something good there on their hands. Last quick hit I'll throw out just because like kind of sleeper hit of the show that like I ended up loving that I didn't know how it would translate at home uh, gameplay wise for people. Starlink. Oh, okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah, like I was totally taken aback by how good that game is. Uh, Not just like... I played as the R-Wing or whatever, and that was that felt cool to finally go back to a good-feeling Star Fox game. Yeah, right when that trailer so hit, long. and it was the blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so that, I mean, that that's cool in its own right. But, man, that game, it feels really good to fly those ships. They've got, like, a certain weight to them that feels nice. Um, the combat feels really good. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, like, there's, like, it's pretty open-ended. Uh, there's, like, six or seven different planets that you can go to in the game. And I'm not really sure how the quest structure is going to work or anything like that. Uh, but from what I played, I really, really enjoyed it. And it just felt good to play. Like, uh, yeah, whereas, like, Star Fox Zero, like, the thing about that game was it was just annoying to play like this is like oh yes this is how a ship game should feel uh so i was really impressed by that one to the point like 
I came in there with a lot of hesitancy because it's a Toys to Life game in 2018. And right. I'm really bad. surprised they stuck with that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, but after I left my demo, I was like, crap, I guess I have <laughs> to get back into Toys to Life because yeah. this is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about that one if you aren't already. Well, that's awesome. That's really great to hear all those impressions. So. Thank you for that. Uh, let's go through the headlines from this past week in gaming in our headline roundup. We start with the World Health Organization who has considered gaming disorder a mental health condition. A quote from their study, the study suggests that when these individuals are engrossed in internet games, certain pathways in their brains are triggered in the same direct and intense way that a drug addict's brain is affected by a particular substance. The gaming prompts a neurological response that influences feelings of pleasure and reward. And the result, in the extreme, is manifested in addictive behavior. So, Logan, I, I find the timing of this very strange. We, we talk about, you know, with loot boxes and gambling and possibly the dangers there. Addiction is, is certainly dangerous and worth studying and worth looking at. But why gaming and why now? I don't know the why now. Um, I can definitely see certain merits of what they're talking about here i think it's just the term that a lot of people myself included are kind of having an issue with the gaming disorder like mm -hmm. it makes it sound like something is broken with you yeah wrong for just for playing games right <laughs> yeah as far as like the rewiring of your brain goes and stuff like that yeah like i can absolutely see that like i've been playing video games since i was a kid and i definitely think there is there are definitely periods of time where I will seriously get addicted to video games to where I'm putting off more important things in my life to instead play video games. Hmm. Uh, is that a good thing? No. Uh, do I think it is like a mental health problem I have? No. <laughs> like, I think it's just, I don't know. I think, I think there's plenty of people who get addicted to entertainment nowadays, whether it be gaming or watching Netflix binges yeah, all, all the exactly. time or something like that. I think it's a I think it's a really common thing in our society now to find a certain uh, piece of entertainment and just kind of sink into it. Um, yeah, it's it's strange that this is considered a disorder, like like I was saying. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think playing video games for prolonged periods of time definitely rewires your brain in a certain way, and I don't think that's up for too much debate. If you know quantifying it in this way means that they can put more you know, funding towards research and understanding addiction. Okay, if, if that's the goal. Uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, with the world the way it is, more people want an escape, video games are an escape, but so are Netflix binges. I mean, you hear people like, I spent the whole day just sitting in front of Netflix. Like, but we're not gonna talk about, you know, TV disorder <laughs> or anything like yeah. that, right? So I think, you know, while games have become more understood over time, especially compared to you know, the 80s and 90s, um, there, it's still at times an easy target and with loot boxes and, and gambling and those comparisons popping up, it, it does not help uh, its case. So uh, I, I think there's there's definitely pros and cons here if they're going to make it. And they said, you know, it's it's a very rare case, like, you know, maybe as as much as up to three percent, but usually around half a percent to one percent of players. So like you got to consider addictive personalities to begin with uh, those who are more uh, conducive to it as a whole uh but if it means you know more help to understanding addiction then okay but let's not just make games an easy target yeah i agree like i think uh 
I agree there are people out there who have more addictive personalities and, and so that probably makes sense in their case. Kind of off of what you were saying, I feel like there's, even though it's become much more socially acceptable to play games, there's still a certain stigma around it. Like I even hesitate to tell people when I write about video games mm -hmm. or something like that. And I, I don't really know why. Uh, I think there's just this weird cultural, not movement against it, but there's just like a weird stigma around gaming and playing a lot of games. Um, and there kind of always has been, and I think it's getting better, but there's still, that still kind of lingers. It does. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think this gives those people who view gaming in a negative light uh, a little bit of ammo. And I think that's what some people are disliking about this is that it kind of reinforces the viewpoints those people might have in a certain way. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, like I think this makes a certain amount of sense. And like you said, if them classifying it as this way in this way allows them to get more funding to do more research about this, then yeah, that's I don't have an issue with that at all. At the end of the day, like I don't think this really affects anything too much. Uh, but it's been interesting to see some people's reaction to it. Yeah, it's it's all about moderation and self control for those who can. YouTube made an announcement that they are finding new ways for channels to make money. We'll again quote their, uh, their article here. Channel memberships, which used to be called sponsorships, allow viewers to pay a $4.99 monthly fee to eligible channels with over 100,000 subscribers in exchange for exclusive digital content such as emojis, badges, and posts in the community tab that only members can access. YouTube, of course, will be getting a cut out of this fee. Fans who subscribe to channel memberships will also gain access to exclusive live streams, extra videos, and shoutouts from creators. This is different from YouTube Premium, formerly called YouTube Red, which is a paid subscription streaming service for original content, as well as ad-free streaming of all YouTube videos. Uh, the gist of it then being uh, YouTube's community, they're looking at Twitch, they're looking at Patreon, they're seeing the adpocalypse and their creators freaking out about not being paid and do we have to jump ship to a different platform? Let's try to give our creators up to a certain you know, channel success, uh, a different way for their viewers to reward them and uh, pay for these extra perks. Uh, I think it's, it's a good deal when you're talking about certain things, like they're also doing a partnership with Teespring for merchandise, and those are that's a 10,000 sub sort of uh, basement there. And then they're also talking about premieres, which are like you know running pre-made videos as live, and then they can be in the, the chat with their fans and interacting that way. There's Super Chats, which has already been a YouTube thing where you pay money and then certain chat messages are, are highlighted and stay up longer. Um, I think this is a good improvement overall for YouTube, and it's good to look at things like Patreon. I mean, creators getting paid is always a good thing. I just wonder almost if this is too little too late. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, this is, this is definitely a good thing for YouTube. I've been worried uh, for the past probably year or so as Patreon has continued to get big. I've been so worried that the Patreon bubble is going to burst at some point, mm -hmm. and I think that still will happen. Uh, but other providers such as YouTube or even Twitch has similar things with their subscription program, which they've had forever. Um, but I think, yeah, I think more content sites offering these things natively on their own platform is going to potentially lessen any chance of that Patreon bubble one day bursting. Uh, because I just think it's gotten almost too bloated over there. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've been very concerned that that's going to implode on itself one day. Uh, so yeah, seeing that people can now, instead of, oh, I have a YouTube channel, well, it just makes logical sense for me to also start a Patreon. Maybe they will just instead opt to go through this and do this instead because it'll be better for them in the long run or something like that. So yeah, I, I don't think this is, uh, as you were saying, is it maybe it's a little bit too little too late, potentially. Uh, I don't think there's anything 
inherently bad about this though because like you like you were also saying any opportunity to give creators more ways to make revenue or do this full-time is a good thing so it is definitely uh a plus that youtube has now opened this up we will have to see how many i, I don't know I'd be, I'd be curious to see how many of the large mainstream uh youtubers the ones with millions upon millions of subs start really utilizing this but yeah that'll be the the big test to see uh, and you know video creators are already going to be diversifying over those platforms already with patreon twitch and youtube so they're kind of collecting from all sorts there uh it's yeah. a good point about the patreon bubble though because if you're not making videos and if you're just saying like oh i'm doing like an etsy kind of a thing and mm -hmm. i just rely on patreon if that bursts like where do you go like you're not doing youtube you're not doing twitch where do you get your money there I, coffee uh, i like is that going to be the big thing so um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard to say there but it's good to see especially you've been seeing some creators kind of fret a little bit about youtube i, I know uh the completionist that one video gamer they were kind of worrying like uh, you know the adpocalypse has hit us uh, maybe do we have to cut staff things like that I mean, you don't want that to happen to creative people <laughs> so giving those creators more options like that's always for the best Life is Strange 2 got announced as their first episode is going to be coming September 27th. More information coming this August, which sounds familiar for Square Enix. I know for the, uh, was it The Quiet Man uh, during their E3 press conference video said more coming this August. It makes me wonder if they'll have a, a big presence at something like Paris Games Week uh, to target a European audience there. Is, is Gamescom in August by chance? Is it? Usually it's, uh, I thought it was September thing, but I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's either August or September. I'm not yeah. sure it's one or the other. Then. So one of those two, like they'll be hitting more there. Um, wow, they really could have used this uh, at E3. Not going to lie, especially when they're talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, the, the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit. And they're talking about like, oh, it's kind of a lead in to Life is Strange 2. And we'll tell you more about it later. Two weeks later, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, uh, granted, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, their E3 presence, they definitely wanted to hone in on that uh, because they didn't want that to be overshadowed by Life is Strange 2's presence, which maybe means they should have just announced this like a week after Captain Spirit comes out because what that's out Monday or Tuesday of this coming week. Yeah, yeah, Monday. So yeah, I, I had an appointment to see Captain Spirit at E3 as well. And yeah, that was the one thing they kept hitting on is, look, if you are ready for Life is Strange 2, there are a ton of hints in this game about what our plot will be with Life is Strange 2. There's, this is not a direct lead in, but if you are a big enough fan of this franchise and you are kind of keen to what's ha what we're doing here, you can pick up quickly on what we will be doing in the next uh, season of Life is Strange. So they, they really kind of hit us over the head with that with uh, Captain Spear, and I think that was, I don't know, I'm still intrigued to see what that full game will be like. I, I think it I think it looks cool. I like what they're doing with that story, but yeah, I don't see how it's going to tie in with this necessarily yet. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, they should have probably just announced Life is Strange, or at least just played, showed that teaser. Yeah, that's, that's all it would have taken. Uh, for as little as they showed as of some of the other games, like that would have been nice to have. I think those that are expecting a Max and Chloe uh, continuation story will be disappointed. I, I'd imagine yeah. they're going to do new characters all kind of set in that universe. Uh, my dog's getting a little <laughs> antsy, so apologies there. Um, but no, like it's, it's good to see that, but I wish it were you know, shown at E3, that's for sure. Pokemon Go is already getting a friend feature and trading after almost two years on the market. They were promising trading way, way back. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll still see if PvP battling eventually comes, but I've 
won't hold my breath there, but that's already starting to roll out. They started, you know, for the very best players, you know, level 40 at their, their cap. It's already brought down now to level 10. That's the kind of basement there. So everyone who's at that limit should be able to add their friends. So that's starting to go around on social networks. Just wanted to throw that out there. That That's finally happening. Uh, it's tied in with their Alola promotion for uh, the Sun and Moon Pokemon. So you can send gifts to your friends, uh, send you know Pokemon for trading. They cost Stardust, which is kind of like the, the currency in game there mm-hmm. for, for certain activities. Uh, yeah, good to finally see. And uh, I'm, as someone who plays that, I'm starting to dig into that a little bit. I was going to ask you that. Do you still play it regularly? Because for Pretty some reason, this regularly. past week, this past week, I just started randomly getting back into it for the first time in probably like the past year and a half. Interesting. So. Yeah, I've been so, uh, yeah. I've been playing pretty regularly. I'm like level 29, so like not I could be okay. higher, but uh, it does take some some effort there. Uh, definitely more interested in like trying to do as much completion of the Pokédex as I can. Um, but yeah, it, it it definitely takes takes some effort. That's for sure. And then of course the Steam Summer Sale is now active until July 5th. Uh, are you a PC game player? Anything you're interested in? Uh, I've got a Mac only, so not really. Uh, I, I'm, I'm working towards building a PC, so maybe for that uh, winter sale or whatever, if I have a PC yeah. by that time, yeah. I will jump in. But uh, yeah, I was I was still scanning through yesterday to see what was on sale, and per usual, pretty staggering how cheap you can get some of these games right now. It is pretty crazy. I'm not about to click the link that says, how much have you spent on your Steam library? Uh, oh, I'm, geez. I'm not about to do that. Uh, but you know, as far as games I'm possibly interested in, uh, my wife and I definitely want to go through season three of The Walking Dead, so a, a new frontier. Yeah. Uh, definitely before the fourth season comes out, I think that what well, that starts August 14th. Uh, definitely excited that for August? that. Man, it's yeah, start, episode one. It's it's coming up quick, so that's down to like 12:50, and then I never played <laughs> Firewatch, so for five bucks, that seems like a an easy place to jump in. Yeah, you can knock that out in an afternoon or an evening. Definitely for sure. Let's get into our main topic, though, and talk about the future of crossplay. Uh, it's definitely been a topic over the last couple of weeks, particularly with PlayStation. So I, I thought it'd be interesting to have you on and share your perspective here. Uh, Dual Shockers, you know, with the name alone, you'd you'd suggest it. You guys do other gaming news, of course, but uh, I'm sure you know the foundation of of PlayStation there. Um, mm-hmm. It all kind of starts with you know, as it's been reiterated on different places all around the world but for those players that play Fortnite they want to uh give it a try on Nintendo Switch after you know just says it's out today on Nintendo Switch for the big E3 announcement there and then they realize that their Epic account if they signed in whether it's just for Fortnite whether it was Paragon or any other Epic games once they sign in on PlayStation 4 that Epic account is locked to PlayStation 4 um Definitely a a questionable practice. We get another quote from Sony. Uh, uh, As someone who works in PR, it is just fascinating to read something like this where they say, quote, We're always open to hearing what the PlayStation community is interested in to enhance their gaming experience. Fortnite is already a huge hit with PS4 fans, offering a true free-to-play experience so gamers can jump in and play online. With 79 million PS4s sold around the world and more than 80 million monthly active users on PlayStation Network, we've built a huge community of gamers who can play together on Fortnite and all online titles. We also offer Fortnite crossplay support with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, expanding the opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even 
even more gamers on other platforms. So a very nicely worded statement that says nothing. And a lot of people <laughs> saying arrogant Sony's back. And I can't blame them for taking that position. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, it does seem like the return of arrogant Sony. At the same time, I totally understand why they would not want to play ball because uh, as far as the cross-play front goes, as far as the locking of Epic accounts to PS4s and not allowing you to sign in on Switch or anything else like that, that is downright ridiculous. That's a bit much, yeah. That is, it, that is what is insane about this. Um, them not wanting to play ball with the other big boys, Nintendo and Microsoft, for crossplay, I can totally understand because they don't need to, one, and they want to keep everything with their... Like, for pure business reasons, no, is it is it pro-consumer? No, absolutely not. Uh, is it pro-Sony? Yeah, maybe. I guess you could make that argument uh, because, I don't know, I, I think they're one of the only... Nintendo too, to a certain degree, but Nintendo's been playing from behind. Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft's whole thing has so, been so consumer friendly the past few years, and they're really trying to get rid of the console exclusivity thing uh, between letting all of their first party games go on to PC as well as Xbox now. I, I think they're really kind of becoming just against what consoles and first party publishers have been in recent history, and I think uh, Sony is trying very hard to hold on to that in light of everything else that's happening uh, yeah, the like like I said, the sign-in thing is straight up ridiculous, and they have to fix that soon because that is going to be bad optically for them for a very long time. Uh, especially when Fortnite is the biggest game on the planet by a mile at this point. Uh, but yeah, like I, I don't know, I, the the, the crossplay thing in and of itself is so confusing and has so many twists and turns, and I I, I can understand multiple sides of it, even though I do not like. Would I like to play with my friends who are on PS4 even when I'm on Xbox? Yeah, that'd be great. But like, I can understand why they're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand how the Fortnite system works, especially. I mean, it's the, the Epic account, which that seems separate. It's not totally like baked in uh, mm -hmm. like other games to the PS4 and Xbox One, like those ecosystems. Uh, I'm not someone who has played Fortnite, so I'm speaking from a position of ignorance there. Uh, but it does look bad then when a supposed Fortnite PlayStation 4 bundle is leaked with an exclusive skin <laughs> and things like that. Could the timing be worse? I, like, are they about to sucker more players into this and then trap them again? Like, that, that's a bad look. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I saw people saying about the bundle and the thing I agreed with is that those deals are made so far in advance. Mm -hmm. Like, they probably mm -hmm. had that bundle put together in, what, the early part of this year. Sure. Uh, you're right. The timing is incredibly bad about if for that right now if they were to announce that uh, because it's just bad optics for them considering everything else that's happened the past week with Fortnite and PS4. But, uh, but yeah, that, that bundle's probably been a long time coming at this point. It's just a very more bad timing than anything else. Uh, I think they, man, I, I want to say I think they'll run back the whole locking of uh, Epic accounts at yeah. some point. You would think they would have to. Like, everybody has been after them about that. Um, yeah, they'll make, I, I, I think they'll make it a very you know, specific case. They won't do it, you know, across the entire plot, but just, like, get this one out of the way at least. Like, it's not worth this fight. Yeah, like as far as as far as the arrogant Sony thing though, I, I kind of hope arrogant Sony is coming back because I would like to see them get knocked down a peg or two. And that's not <laughs> that's not to say that I don't dislike my PS4 or Sony or anything like that. I, they've clearly been 
fantastic this generation. But it's the same reason I was rooting so hard for Microsoft to come out and kill it at E3 this year. Mm-hmm. Is it because if you really are pro-consumer, pro-gamer, whatever, and you're not beholden to any of these companies like some people on the internet are, it is, in the end, I think, is always good if there is more competition. Uh, so for Sony to kind of shoot itself in the foot and knock, it, knock itself down a couple pegs, I think would be good for the larger industry as a whole in the long run. Uh, so yeah, if arrogant Sony wants to return and, and screw some things up for themselves, then go for it because I think it'll probably be good for the entire gaming ecosystem further down the line. Absolutely. Yeah. Competition drives growth in the industry and kind of need that, especially when the PlayStation's for the gamers and they, they talk about all the indies and all that success. I, they, they could stand to do some of more of that pushing. Uh, but then, you know, the competition has started to smell a little bit of blood in the water. And so Nintendo and Microsoft make a video together for Minecraft and saying that they can play together. They can survive together. And you get those that green and that red mashed up together like a terrible looking flag of a country. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, God, we imagine seeing the day that Microsoft and Nintendo working together. Of course, the the Smash Brothers contingent online say does this mean banjo kazooie is going to be Please. in smash brothers i i Please. think i think that would be fantastic um but you know my guess would be there could be chance for dlc uh but not in the main game i i think this kind of friendly nature could bode well for things going forward but not for the crux of a game that's going to be coming on on december 7th but we'll keep that in mind if if the baron bird do come to brawl <laughs> give us uh, banjo and give us cuphead i want to yeah. see both oh cuphead would be fantastic that'd be so cool uh but yeah super weird to see them kind of touting their cross play uh so yeah i guess the gist of it's like what is sony's next move going for i mean we kind of agree that they should walk back this this epic account uh debacle like at, at the very least just walk that one back you don't have to say we're gonna you know rescind all of the like i don't yeah they're not gonna go full cross play this generation uh no but then going forward like you look back like one year ago and yeah it was kind of starting off with sony being cagey about cross play but it didn't seem to be an industry-wide thing i mean just look over the course of a year and how much that's changed i mean fortnite coming and being a big aspect of everyone should play together whether it's on switch whether it's on mobile phones whether it's on console uh do you see that kind of growth going forward and and basically are we saying like the next console generation are we going to see you know cross play across all these platform holders i mean i think i think one day we might i don't man it's still so hard to guess how far out this is because you're right like it's taken a game like fortnite to really kind of move things more in that direction i don't know how long of legs fortnite has you would think a lot but uh, I think it's going to take another huge game coming up to really continue those talks to where they make more sense because, yeah, the crossplay play talk, talks have been a thing this entire console generation, really, but like, there's really been no advancement on it until recently with the Fortnite game coming out. It's so hard to say because like, we're talking about the next generation of consoles, but like, what does that look like? Because, because you've got Microsoft in a corner, and now with the Xbox One X, it's kind of a higher iteration upon the Xbox One, and then you've got Phil Spencer on stage saying we're currently making multiple new consoles. So like it, it feels like the consoles are going more iterative to a point where like there will be no firm next generation. 
and because of that, I wonder if all if all the companies kind of start doing uh, Nintendo won't start doing that. You wouldn't think no, not now at no. least. But Sony, I could see doing something along those lines as well. And if that becomes the case where it's just like constant new iterations upon here is the PlayStation and here is the Xbox and there's a new version of this out, then I could see crossplay eventually coming uh, with those. Like, but that's like maybe five or ten years down the line. Yeah. I don't think it's happening anytime soon. Uh, the one thing I did want to say though was, did you re- do you remember last year when Fortnite was kind of first getting off the ground and uh, they did accidentally, quote unquote, from Epic have the crossplay between PS4 and Xbox One? I remember uh, Epic doing there. something like that. I didn't remember that it was Fortnite. You know, the old yeah tower defense. I mean, got that that story's got a history and a half with it, and you know Cliffy B and and all that. I remember yeah. that Epic did something like that. Uh, you know, Rocket League with Psionics, they made a statement like, you could just flip a switch if the, the console manufacturers yeah. let us. So, like, it, it could happen. Um, yeah, so, like, that, that's crazy to think about. I agree with you, though. Like, not at the start of this next generation. Uh, you know, Fortnite's making waves, but it's not enough to make a whole shift in the entire industry, especially when everyone's trying to be competitive with each other. But I think you could continue to see a groundswell. And, yeah, as these consoles iterate off of each other and, and more and more, especially if they continue to be based on, you know, the whole x86 and you know, PC like platform, if they kind of have similar development structures like that, uh, we could totally see something like that in years to come. But then again, you, you know, think of Yves Guillemot and saying for Ubisoft, like, Oh, we'll have one more console generation, then everything's streaming. And we see you know, yeah. EA trying to build up that with origin access premiere and, and things like that to get ready for, games on every platform and if that happens like then why can't we play together on every platform so in time but you know maybe not at the start of the next console generation because that could be here sooner than we know yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a long time i think before we see anything like that because like you're right we've got yves and ea talking about streaming so much but then i go see a game like cyberpunk and i'm like man streaming technology is not there plus video games are getting this advanced i can't see how a game this advanced is going to work on streaming technology that is still not really there and is going to be in its infancy when it does come around so there's a lot of disconnects between where i think uh actual game design is going and what i think publishers want to do moving forward and so we'll have to see how those things kind of start clicking together I mean, this was definitely the E3, though, where I started thinking about the next generation mm-hmm. a lot more. I mean, Cyberpunk was a big part of that, but I saw I saw some other games as well that really got me thinking in that direction. And yeah, what gaming is in 10 years is going to be a far yeah. cry from what it is now. Like it's, we are, it's amazing. I, th- yeah. I, think, I think we're going to see so many changes over this next decade. Uh, the most we've probably seen since probably their 80s or 90s Mm, because we just seem to be on the precipice of a lot of new technology that's really going to affect this industry whether it's you know higher powered pcs or if people understand really then how to develop for vr things like that or just experiences with that and that's that's crazy to think about yeah you think a lot about these games like you know a lot of 2019 titles uh, halo halo infinite like they don't talk about that much at all besides the trailer (laughs) is that something they're pushing for xbox mm-hmm. 2 or whatever they know code name scarlet things like that uh you know it's it's gonna make you wonder i mean because yeah, it'll be a fascinating time and certainly great to talk about it well this is usually the time where we you know we take a break here we throw to our callers nobody's in our discord channel so i'll, I'll reiterate you know we're kind of like the we set up the first you know sort of topics here and then we go to the callers gaming's call and talk radio show 
Uh, over at rhymeswithasia.com slash call is the link to our Discord channel where you can call in, usually record 2 p.m. Eastern time on Saturdays. Uh, so instead of taking a break and fielding callers, where we don't have any at the moment, I'm just going to go right into uh, our next segment here. Now, Logan, about a year or so ago, I had you on uh, as a guest on this show, and we talked about your top five favorite games of all time. And so those were, in order, Mass Effect 2, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, Bioshock, and The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now, when I have a guest on the show, usually for the whole uh, show, as opposed to just our callers segment, uh, I'd like to kind of go into in depth of those. We've done that before. I think it was episode 33 of the show. Go listen to that if you want you know, more in-depth of those games, certainly. I, I was curious, though, that after a year, I like, do these need updating at all? Maybe. Uh, man, I don't know. I think that five might stand firm. If I was to reevaluate my top ten, though, mm. things might change. What uh, might sneak I, in there? I really liked God of War. Yeah. Like, a yeah. lot, a lot. Uh, more so than I ever expected, because I did not really care for those old games. Uh, God of War is the first game in years that has just totally taken over my life, <laughs> kind of, once it came out. Man, I, I fell in love with everything about that. I, I think it is one of the best games I've ever played, and it's one of my favorites. And uh, I really wish I could like wipe my memories of that game clean <laughs> and just go back in and play it again, just because it was such a journey getting through that story. I totally fell in love with everything that Sony Santa Monica did with that. And uh, God of War 5, God of War 2, whatever the heck it's called, uh, is probably like my most anticipated game now that's coming out, even though they obviously haven't announced anything. But man, I am so excited to see what they do next with that. And uh, yeah, that probably, I don't know if it'd be in my top five, maybe my top 10 though. I, mm. I seriously loved everything that they did with that game from the combat to the story to just... Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. I mentioned Spider Man too. Obviously, that's not out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that pans out the right way, if the story to that game is fantastic, then uh, yeah, that could be very high on my list too. So that's still- yeah, that's definitely a possible challenger this year. Then uh, anything else yeah. that you see that could be on the horizon for 2018 that could could challenge it? Um, for 2018, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Red Dead's obviously the other one, big one that's lurking. Um, I'm not into Red Dead as much as some others. Uh, don't get me wrong, I will be there day one and riding around on my horse in that world and having a ton of fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't uh, I don't necessarily see that jumping up too high on my list. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good things coming out later this year. And obviously, uh, Smash has always been in my top. If this Smash that comes out is like the ultimate Smash, which is what they are calling it, uh, if that ends up being like the superior version of that game and potentially like maybe the last one we ever get, at least from Sakurai, mm-hmm. unless somebody else takes it over. Um, if that ends up being like the best one they've ever made with the longest legs that I continue going back to time and time again for years, then uh, yeah, that could replace. Because I think I probably have a Smash in my top 10 currently. I don't know which one. Yeah. Maybe I would say Brawl, in, which is kind of the weird answer, I think, for a lot of people. But I don't think I've ever played a single video game more in my life than... Hmm smash brawl like i think i probably played that game throughout high school every friday with a group of friends for probably three or four hours for maybe three or four or five years (laughs) like we were still playing brawl i mean when did smash 4 come out 2014 2014 so yeah there was six or seven years between 
releases there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I played I played Brawl a ton, uh, and if Ultimate ends up being better, then I could easily see it taking over. Yeah, for uh, me, Brawl is my number three, uh, and that's it's mostly. I mean, it'd be a Smash somewhere, but uh, Brawl for me, it's most the sentimental reason. Uh, you know, with yeah. podcasting and all that. Uh, I, I think the same way though. Like it, it has a chance because. Uh, <laughs> This one is is saying all the right things right now. It's Sakurai is doing all the right things right now. He wants to build that platform that he can kind of leave to someone else. And if you want to, you know, build DLC and patches going forward, something that you can then port to another system because this is not a port, despite people saying so. Uh, I mean, but, I, yeah. I didn't mention it, but I played it as well. Um, it's definitely oh, how got did that I not match. ask. <laughs> it's got that Smash Four DNA to it. Mm, definitely, of course, it's got uh, to. But it's so much faster uh, and it feels so much more I want to say like technical in a certain way because they have updated so many small things that only longtime Smash fans I think would recognize yeah um, it's really good I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so like, so excited it's gonna be it's gonna be a ton of fun I'm so excited for it to come out finally on switch too because like my my roommate and I after it got announced we're like shoot now we gotta like go to our parents house and grab our Wii U's real quick so, like, now we've got a Wii U hooked up at our, at our place again <laughs> we've been playing Smash 4 all over so like yeah, just having it on the Switch will be uh, a ton of fun. And seeing it run on the Switch screen was like super weird <laughs> running in handheld <laughs> mode. And I know we had one on 3DS, but just like seeing that in person, like there's still that like weird disconnect every time I see a new game running right. in handheld mode on that device. Where it's like, man, this is such a weird thing that I'm glad exists. Were you able to track the action pretty smoothly then? Yeah, it felt uh, it felt really good. Like I know Sakurai after the event was like, I got to go home and change so many things. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, it felt yeah. <laughs> super polished from what I played, though. Like, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, yeah, the 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 speed of it was really the one thing that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't make uh, Star Fox OP again, <laughs> like in the melee scene. <laughs> yep, yep. But, uh, but but yeah, like the big characters felt like they actually had good movement to them this time compared to four and uh, brawl as well and uh but yeah the lighter characters because of that feel like you're flying around because of that now. so <laughs> it, it is going to be a lot more twitchy than i think smash 4 was yeah and they definitely did the whole thing with uh you know the characters fly off the screen faster but then kind of hang on a little longer and it makes yeah. it a little more yeah dramatic it, it was hard way. to not it was hard to knock people off like we were doing uh the demo they had us playing was just the the time matches or whatever uh, there was a lot less kills than than normal, which mm. was uh, pretty refreshing, honestly. So. Yeah, oh, that's great. And yeah, you're totally right with God of War. Uh, that's right now number one with a bullet for games uh, for 2018 this year. I that's one where you don't want to be spoiled for sure, and I uh, will have a hard time seeing what else can top it this year. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, may, I mean, maybe ten my, of all time, but yeah, not five. Even with my fanboyism for Spider-Man and me saying, oh, that's going to be like one of my favorite games ever. As excited as I am for Spider-Man, I would be shocked if anything surpasses God of War for me mm, this year. Yeah. Like, that is how much I enjoyed that game. Yeah, it was so. so, so good. Let's quickly touch on the games that are out this week, the notable ones at least, because we're out of the E3 flow. We're kind of back into some game releases. As you mentioned earlier, The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit on Monday, June 25th, coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC totally free. Uh, play that kind of as a setup to Life is Strange 2. I don't know if you've heard this, but I, I heard on some gaming podcast and it was just like, oh no. Or it was a tweet somewhere on a scale of 1 to 10. How much does that kid have cancer? Oh, geez. Oh, no. Like, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
in the in the demo I saw in the trailer they showed too, like his dad's clearly like an alcoholic or right. something like that too. And like his dad seems like a good guy from like the extended look I saw. Like he clearly like cares about his son. But it was like, oh man, like something something really bad. Yeah, something bad this way comes. If you know the Life is Strange series, like yeah. not it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Uh, I am looking forward to that though. I really enjoy those games, so I'll definitely be giving that one a try. Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle Donkey Kong Adventure. This is the DLC story that apparently has 50% of the content of the whole campaign. Uh coming Tuesday, June 26th to Nintendo Switch. Uh, did you get to see or try this one at all? I didn't get to see this one at E3. I don't know if it was there or not, just because it's so close to releasing. Um, I'm wow! I did not know it had fifty percent of the content of the actual game, though. But that makes me way more excited. I think uh, that's the figure that they were trying to talk up, and it's, it seems substantial. That's a that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I was a sucker for this off the bat just because of Grant Kirkhope getting to return to his Donkey Kong 64 roots for the yep. soundtrack. So for that alone, I was interested in picking this up. But man, if it's got that much content, then yeah, I will jump back into that game happily. Mm-hmm. Also on Tuesday, June 26th, on Xbox One, it's Near Automata Become As Gods Edition. Don't even wait for Xbox One. Play this goddamn game now. Like, you shouldn't have waited this long, but play Near Automata. And if it takes this launch on Xbox One, then go for it. I wish it clicked with me more when I played it last oh. year. I was, I was I was one of those people where it's like, man, like I can see the merits of this game, but it is just not working with me right now, and I feel bad about that. I'll tell you what, it didn't totally click with me. Like I, I'm not too big on like platinum action games. I got through ending A, and then it took me a couple more months, and then I got to play the rest, and it's like, oh man, oh that's special. I like, guess I think I started C, and oh, then I okay. got like a little oh, bit. Oh, you're into so C. close. Oh, you're so close. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because B is, it's a lot of the same iteration just from the different perspective, but like C's yeah. where it really starts to change and get different. Give that one a shot. If you're ever curious, like it, it's worth worth the effort at least. Uh, Luminous Remastered, also on June 26th for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. Uh, it's good to see that game remastered, but it really just makes you think of Tetris Effect. And for one of like the first big reveals in the, the pre-E3 cycle and all that, like definitely excited for more Mizuguchi games. Yeah, I've uh, I love Miz. I have not played Luminous though, surprisingly. So uh, with my love of him in mind, I will probably try this out because I've heard nothing but good things about it. For sure, for sure. Limbo and Insider both coming on Thursday, June twenty eighth to Nintendo Switch. Uh, play both of those. Like, do that. Um, uh, yeah, definitely do that. I really liked Inside a lot more than Limbo, I but did like, too. but Limbo was like the early days of indies on xbox live and mm-hmm. when we kind of thought of those games like but inside is fantastic i i cannot wait to see uh what that studio comes up with next same yeah limbo seems more like a tone piece inside kind of adds those like subtle story hints to it and mm-hmm. i i think that's why i like it a little bit more. and that ending is <laughs> remarkable the crew <laughs> to the racing game from ubisoft across the united states comes on Friday, June 29th to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, I guess the beta is out now, and people are saying some pretty good things about it, so uh, that's that's good to see. It's kind of a weird timing, like a couple weeks after E3, but uh, hey, if they can launch that and it goes well, then all the best for Ubisoft there. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about this one. I'm not a huge uh, racing guy, but even from what I've seen with this one, it kind of has me interested, so yeah. Also on Friday, June 29th, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus on Nintendo Switch. Again, you should have already played this one. 
But if you want to yeah. have Nintendo Switch and all that, uh, I, I totally get that. It's a pretty meaty campaign with all the side missions and all that you can do. So I, there, there's some merit in taking it on the go with you. But I mean, you're, you're seeing this game like on PS4 and different sales like for 20 bucks. And like if you're not springing on that, like that's where you need to get it. Yeah, I would uh, definitely get it on Xbox, PC, or PS4 if you have that luxury. Uh, if Switch is all you have, I definitely would still say you get it. Uh, but but that 30 FPS that it's running at is mm-hmm. definitely, I don't think it's terrible, but it is uh, markedly a lesser experience because of that. And I, I think Switch is probably the worst platform that you could play right. that game on. But that said, the game's amazing, and you should probably play that game. So uh, if that's all you've got on your hands is a Switch, then and, uh, yeah. I would absolutely recommend it. Yeah, and it's a remarkable effort to take a 2017 AAA game and put it on, on Switch from a Western publisher uh, like Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's It's great to see it on Switch, but I loved playing it on PC. That's such such a good game. And yeah, yeah, give that one a shot for sure. And then uh, Crash Bandicoot, the Insane Trilogy, got its release date bumped up a couple weeks on Nintendo Switch. So Friday, June 29th is the new one. Also with the, uh, the DLC levels that they're adding in as well. So a busy week for games. Uh, if I had to recommend a couple, I mean, they'd be the ones that are already out uh you know near and wolfenstein too but you know if it's it being free let's let's give captain spirit a shot as well yeah a lot of good games here captain spirit's free may as well pick that up if you haven't already uh and then i would recommend that you uh buy a copy of crash bandicoot and then light it on fire because those games suck and i hate them. <laughs> <laughs> well that's good to know i'll i'll maybe do that with my ps4 copy who knows <laughs> or i'll send it back into gamestop gamestop keeps saying like you have this game that's worth this much money and it's like hmm, i don't know well, that'll yeah. do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. You can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and as you can obviously see here, now is the perfect time to have your voice heard on this podcast. We're looking for people to call in and give their perspective. Uh, if we want to wrap up a YouTube video to watch, I did not mention it last week because... It was right before I recorded it, and I wasn't even sure it was going to perfectly get off the ground, but uh, my old podcast, Show Me Your News, is back as a seasonal podcast uh, in the six months leading up to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate here, getting some of the gang back together here. So on the Show Me Your News YouTube channel, SMYN Ultimate uh, has its first pilot episode up, recording episode two this weekend, uh, The Buzzsaw co-host there for a while will be joining us as our guest for this week so i'm glad to have that back just looking over the it's now the smash blog as opposed to the smash brothers dojo uh but kind (laughs) of looking over the smash brothers news of the week and seeing all the little things that they're rolling out and just being very analytical with everything it's it's a good time i'm glad to be doing that again so check that out i have one smash question for you since you have the master Uh, Uh, i don't know about the master but (laughs) How many new characters do you think we will get once it's all said and done? We've already got the Splatoon Inklings and Ridley. Are, are we are we talking about Echo Fighters too? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that's where a lot of the big expansion can come from. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing possibilities like you know Shadow could easily be a Sonic skin, um, Dark Samus uh, for Samus, and this is a lot of you know being derived from even some people are thinking uh, Ken in addition to Ryu. 
because uh, Game Explain did a video where they cycled through all of the skins on on the Smash demo there, and like mm-hmm. Red Ryu Gi is missing. Uh, you know the Dark Samus skin that has been yeah, there. Yeah, the Dark Samus skin that, was that's missing. gone. That. Uh, we've seen promotion for Knuckles as an assist trophy, but Shadow has been there as a Sonic assist trophy for a couple games now. Uh, so some people are thinking like those characters can definitely happen. Brand new characters like a Ridley and Inkling, though. I say you get two, maybe three uh, most. I think it's mostly just remarkable that, as they said, everyone is here. Uh, that was, yeah. I would not have seen that coming. Uh, but, you know, when you hear the reports that Sakurai says that when I told that the team that's my goal, everyone was shocked into silence. Like, it's, like <laughs> we're, we're going to do this. Okay. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to see someone like Banjo-Kazooie be DLC because I, I do think they're building up a platform for Sakurai to finally walk away from. Uh, port yeah. it to future consoles, things like that, just to reiterate and develop on that. Um, but man, if there was one more newcomer that I, I'd like to see, throw the indies a bone. Let's get Shovel Knight in there. Let's fucking go. Let's yeah. let's get it. That'd be great. Somebody brought to my attention the other day. I don't know how I've never, but there's never been a single Western developed character ever in Smash Bros. And, it is uh, it is the challenge there when we're thinking <laughs> that's about those. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's time. Shovel Knight would be cool. Obviously, Banjo would be awesome. That's the one I'm uh, fingers crossed for. I'd still say, of all the, like the actual Nintendo characters that I'd like to see, though, figure out a way a way to make Captain Toad work. Let's get Captain Toad in there. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I'm be kind better of than, like a character from Arms at least, which I feel yeah, like is going to happen. I feel like that will happen, whether it's DLC or otherwise. Uh, it, yeah. The extendable limbs just makes too much sense for adding a new mechanic. The extent that they've added the ink from Inklings is just incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. ink on every character model in varying degrees like that's insane so i yes. think sakurai likes to think about how would this character add something new so an arms character feels like a no-brainer whether it's here or dlc um yeah captain toad would be interesting i'm glad it's not waluigi oh you monster I'm, I'm, I'm not on that train at all and i'm actually you know as everyone should be sick of the people who are harassing sakurai on social media because yeah, of it that's stop ridiculous. with that shit like don't be a troll like that that's terrible like you don't deserve smash at that point if you're doing that like you don't deserve to yeah to, you know harass him like that so it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all develops and yeah if if the game gets delayed well we just do that that seasonal podcast for longer is there a youtube <laughs> video that you'd like to give some attention to um maybe not one specific one uh i would suggest though if you uh aren't already watching him check out giant bomb uh Mm, i've been watching i've been because i was at e3 i wasn't able to watch a lot of their e3 content uh they have a lot of fantastic interviews at the show the one i would if we're going to point to one uh jeff gersman's annual interview with phil spencer from microsoft is always one of the highlights of any i think content that any websites are putting out any year uh, and it is just as interesting this year as Phil kind of gets into the nitty gritty about their new acquisitions mm. that they had there and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, if I'm going to point you to one specific video, check that out. But uh, as a whole, their E3 content is always phenomenal and uh, insightful and funny at the same time. So yeah, I, I got to see that. That sounds fascinating. And then you know, Easy Allies too with their reactions. Uh, those are those are always great. Yeah. as well. <laughs> I, got, I got caught up on both them and Giant Bomb once I got back home from E3. <laughs> I was like, I got to see how they reacted to these things. Excellent. Well, Logan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, plug away. I mean, we can find you on Twitter at moreman12, and you're over at Dual Shockers. What else would you like to give a, a shout out to? Uh, I think those are about the only two things I'm doing nowadays. 
tweeting stupid things and writing stupid things uh, over at DualShockers. Yeah, I definitely, like I said at the top, uh, continue checking out DualShockers if you want some delayed but fleshed out uh, previews on what we saw at E3 because we will still be staggering those out for probably the next week or two just because we don't want to do too much of a content dump at once on our readers over there. So we'll definitely have a lot of cool stuff going up at Dual Shockers. Um, and if you, as far as like, I don't know, as far as video stuff goes, we're trying to put, put a renewed emphasis on video at the site as well. So if you're listening to this, uh, feel free to give us a subscription over there on YouTube as well. We're just at Dual Shockers. So yeah, that'd be great. Great, great stuff. Always a delight to have you. We'll make sure to have you back more. And uh, it's it's always so good to talk to you. Thank you, Peter. So good to talk to you as well. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned to that Discord channel over at rhymesatheasia.com slash call as everything develops. And regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode. For Logan, with that, I am Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.